This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. Okay, hold on to your hats. This is one of the two most fun shows of the year. This show is our 2020 award show, awarding the best, the worst, the most uh, spectacular, the, the biggest winner, the biggest loser, stuff like that. It is followed in early January by our 2021 prediction show. Two very astute guests we have with us, Rick DeGraw, longtime Arizona Politico, and Steve Kraft, longtime Arizona Fox News uh, uh, reporter. Welcome to both of you to the show. Thank you. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> okay, uh, let's start at the top. We're talking about Arizona the first two segments. Top story of the year. Steve? Well, to me, uh, it's uh, Arizona becomes a blue state. That's a pretty gigantic story. To me, that's the top story of the year. I mean, COVID was a story for everybody everywhere. Here in okay. our state, this rocked every, everybody's world in Arizona. Rick? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Democratic president, two Democratic senators. It changes the, the complexity of Arizona politics. Even though the legislature didn't change yet, it still changed the, the entire political spectrum. I would put it just slightly differently. I'm not at all really disagreeing with you, but I would say a political split decision. Arizona goes for Biden, goes for Mark Kelly, but Republicans retain control of the legislature. I think that's got to be part part of it, too. And what does that say? Uh, that says a competitive state, not turning blue, but definitely competitive. Who's your person of the year, guys? Uh, uh, my person, my person of the year is Mark Kelly. Um, Eighty thousand votes. Yeah. Uh, that that is incredibly impressive. You look at the places he won, uh, the types of folks that he won. That is the person of the year. Mark did a great job, um, and it worked. Steve. Yeah, I'm I mean, uh, at at the risk of being repetitive here, how can you not say Mark Kelly? Uh, he ran, I think, by all accounts, a pretty flawless campaign. He was able to peel away uh, su you know, support that might have easily gone to Martha McSally. He was able to unite the Democratic Party. He was able to, to grow the tent for expand the, the base, so to speak, for Democrats. Um, and he didn't commit any gaffes. And I think people very much know what they're getting in Mark Kelly. And I think he, he is setting himself up well, potentially, uh, for two years from now when he has to run again. Uh, and interestingly, he did it with the Kirsten Cinema playbook. Basically, oh, yes. keep yourself clearly in the center. Do not let the Republicans define you at center anything. And I think what that may bode, I could see a, uh, and this is getting us into national, I could see something evolve in this country where the break of uh, the, of uh, the Ossipan in Washington is driven by six or eight senators equally from both parties. It would include the two Arizona senators, guys like Mick Romney, uh, uh, Susan Collins, 
uh, uh, Manchkin, you know, the, the most the most right leaning Democrats and the most centrist Republicans basically saying to both sides, we are available uh, for whichever party is is the most reasonable. But but we'll, 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 that that's presaging maybe our, some of our now discussion. We've got a, uh, a biggest victory for anybody other than Mark Kelly that we've already named or is, is that does he take that one as well? Here locally and here in Arizona, who had a bigger, nobody had a bigger victory than Mark Kelly. There were some other significant victories that, that surprised me a little bit. Uh, let's put in Congressman Schweikert in the mix. I really didn't think he was going to pull that off, but he did. Well, given this would be a person or thing, let me suggest prop, that Prop 208 was a big deal. That basically, once more, Arizona voters indicated that they are just fine applying taxes as long as the uh, recipient of those taxes that's widely supported and clearly identified. But I believe that that has been here for years. It's just legally uh, they were able to keep it down yeah. until this year, and and maybe they still will. Uh, the, the okay, chamber. biggest loser, person or thing? The biggest loser, McSally. Um, hmm. How can you lose that many times and uh, continue to lose all along the way? Now, I know it, normally you would say, well, it was Trump, but I don't think it was. I think McSally, who wanted to be Trump in Arizona, was the biggest loser. Steve? She was, but but can we give an honorable mention to Kelly Ward? <laughs> well, I mean, why not? Look, we got a split decision on, on this one because I got the biggest loser as being Doug Ducey. He blew the COVID response mm. and then on the back end even lost the support of Trump, who I think he's, he is trying to stay in line with Trump caused him to lose to kind of blow the covid response and then he even lost the trump support because trump's pattern is you stay with me 100 percent all the time anything less is not good enough well i i would agree with that in fact i had ducey as my second biggest loser because he began the year as a leader he ends it as a loser and a follower and then he gets attacked by trump uh so i understand that as well but in terms of really losing McSally really led led the field, and Kelly Ward came in close second. But you know, it's true what you say about uh, Martha McSally, and she did pretty much. She made the same mistakes Doug Ducey made. She couldn't decide whether she was going to be a Trump loyalist and, or if she was going to try to strike a more moderate tone. And so she was caught in the middle. People who like a moderate tone didn't think that she was sufficiently moderate, and people who or uh, for President Trump didn't really trust her as being on Trump's team all the way. And so she was kind of left a sort of weak sauce ultimately, and, and she lost. That's why, I think. One last question in this segment. Uh, biggest thing that did not happen? Well, for me, it goes back a ways. The biggest thing that did not happen was the legislature last year when they ran away uh, early in this, uh, really before the session should have ended, stopped doing anything, didn't pass some vital legislation that would have helped Arizonans throughout the year, including uh, unemployment and that kind of thing. And they took so little action that they, they just 
they didn't even attempt to suppress COVID. They just went home and stopped talking. I would say the big I would say the biggest thing that did not happen is Democrats winning down ballot in the election. Uh, the, the, we heard so much optimism that this would finally be the, the year the Democrats would flip the state house and flip the state Senate, but they didn't. And county attorney went to Republican, county recorder went to Republican. You know, pretty much down the ballot, once you went down from Mark Kelly, it was not a particularly good night for Democrats. Well, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Steve on this one. I think uh, not only, I, but I'd focus in on the legislative houses because it was a big thing. Democrats were going to take over at least one legislative house, and uh, that was widely expected, and it didn't happen. Look, I've been doing politics in Arizona since 1972, and I've heard that same story over and over and over again. So it really didn't surprise me because two and a half weeks before the election, the Democrats stopped running their elections and started to argue about who was going to be the next leader uh, in, in the House of Representatives and what positions they were going to have. And so they gave up. They really gave it up. Okay, we will be back. We'll talk about biggest surprise, underreported story, and other issues when we return in just a moment in the think tank with Arizona 2020 awards. The think tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Uh, we are here talking to Steve Kraft and Rick DeGraw in uh, Think Tank 2020 Arizona Awards Show. Most underreported story of the year, Steve? To me, it is the quiet, invisible suffering of so many people, middle class and lower middle class people, who are reliant on food banks and just trying to live through this terrible time. And we're not hearing enough about it. And it's just, you see people everywhere, walk through the grocery store, who knows how many people are struggling. Rick? I have to agree with Steve, but I also believe ASU, the New American University, was underreported this year. They're an amazing entity. They do so much for Arizona, for the world, for science, et cetera. And I don't think there's enough attention paid to ASU. I'll add one, and it may be an honorable mention relative, to, particularly to Steve's comments, but the ensuing ongoing uh, Republican war. Um, luckiest person in Arizona. Well, I think he said it himself. John McCain said, I am the luckiest person on earth. And I believe that that can be true through this year. You see what his family did. You see how he was honored by many vilified by others, but he said it. I'm the luckiest person on earth. He had a great life. Dave. I'd say David Schweikert was the luckiest person. Here's a guy who, uh, you know, was busted for ethics violations, and, and there's a surge of enthusiasm for Joe Biden in this state, and especially among well-educated voters that would seem to play to a, the sweet spot for Geraldo Bernani, but it didn't. He got in. Uh, a guy who, you know, many other circumstances, you could see him getting ousted. To me, he was really lucky. And yep. it certainly may not have been a huge Democratic year, but it was certainly not a big Republican year carrying him over. 
biggest people just like him, I guess, up there. Biggest, well, and he, as has been noted by many, he is generally a good fit for the district. Uh, econ- educated economic, the, ec- the sort of the economic concern, the non-Trumpian uh, component of the Republican Party. Yep, and they, and they voted for him, so he's back. Okay, biggest scam. Oh, Kelly Ward. Steve mentioned <laughs> Kelly Ward. Kelly Ward, the biggest scam in the world. It's fake election, raising funds for Trump's personal support. Uh, I mean, sounding like she actually cares about anything. Uh, I'm, that was That's the biggest scam, and it's ongoing. And I'd like to add this this bogus slate of Republican electors to me is a total scam. And it's yeah. so destructive to our democratic traditions in our country. You know, but there there it is. That pretty much shows what's going on. Uh, I would sort of amplify that. To me, the biggest scam of the year is the bogus discussion of vote fraud. Yep. That that was basically lacking any empirical evidence whatsoever. And, uh, well, we'll talk about that more later, but, uh, uh, you know, that was to the, and you, if you look at the number of people, particularly in the Republican party who believe that, that the, the election was a fraud, that's pretty hard to, hard, hard to justify. That's, that's really frightening. And I have to notice there, that Kelly has now have been noticed in two of the worst uh, awards you give. But we should also add, because you know we, we're always doing our best to have every single point of view represented in some way. How can you explain how you know the, the level of support that someone like Kelly Ward has? A lot of people agree with her. A lot of people love the stand that she's taking. How do you explain it? I I. I I am frightened by it. Uh, seemingly intelligent people that still support her, it, it is absolutely frightening. But I, I truly believe that hate is one of the stronger emotions. And if you bring everybody who hates something under the same tent, you have a large group of people. Well, she's got some contest in the party with a newly elected legislator who tweeted, buy ammo. Yeah. But so, uh, tweet awards, I'll start and then I'll go to Steve on this one. Uh, I think that uh, the Arizona tweet of the year was an exchange between Kelly Ward and Governor Ducey. Governor <laughs> basically uh uh, uh, tweeted uh, uh, a, a series of tweets actually talking about how, and I'll read you pieces of it because it's about an eight person. I've been outspoken about the electoral system. I bragged about it even in the Oval Office. We've been doing early voting since 92. We got some of the strongest election laws in the country. ID at the poll. We review every signature, blah, 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 you know, on and on, basically making the case for we have clean elections. And Kelly Ward responses is a simple uh, election integrity is missing in Arizona. And then uh, an acronym STHU, which is shut the something up. And uh, Governor Ducey responds, the feeling is mutual. That is uh, 
certainly a memorable exchange between our Republican governor and the uh, head of the state Republican Party. Steve, you got 30 seconds. How about uh, Governor Ducey and his staff, I think Dan Scarpinato, suggesting that Andy Biggs return to crazy town in a tweet. In a tweet. <laughs> I thought that was that was a pretty colorful description, so I'll, I'll nominate that one. Okay, so there's our tweets of the year. When we return after the break, we're going to do the same now, but only uh, we will do this for the country as a whole rather than just the state of Arizona when we return with our 2020 awards show focusing on national events in just a moment in the think tank. News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, we are continuing our 2020 Think Tank Award Show, focusing now on national events. And let's start right with the top. Biggest story of the year, Rick DeGraw. I don't believe it can be anything but COVID and the lack of response to COVID. Um, The fact that we did not follow the lead of places like New Zealand and Australia, who are now basically COVID-free, I mean, it's pretty frightening. It, it's, it's like having a war and deciding not to fight it for a year. Steve? It's hard to disagree with that. Obviously, COVID dominates everything. I would also add, though, uh, President Trump losing after one term. It doesn't happen much in America. And uh, it's a gigantic story because uh, he was heading down a path that, at least to his opponents, was very dangerous. And um, now he's going to be the head of a shadow government. And to his critics, he was the head of a shadow presidency. But um, so the story remains to be told, I'm sure. But uh, to me, that was a huge story. I think I'm closer to Steve on this one. I would have gone with COVID if this was what one might classify as a normal presidential election. Donald Trump broke so many presidential norms that I think the election of Joe Biden portends the return of some level of normalcy in our politics. And uh, if it weren't for that, if we were just a run-of-the-mill presidential election, uh, uh, even with the defeat of an incumbent, I think I would have given the nod. I mean, COVID is huge. The entire world economy is shut down. You certainly can't uh, argue that that is anything other than huge. But it's not just Joe Biden here. I think it's the entire stature of America in the world. For example, the mainstay of our entire foreign policy for the last 75 years is a uh, NATO as a bulwark against the expansion of totalitarianism. And basically, that had been thrown into, into serious question. I don't know how much amends we have to make, but it's sure as heck uh, going to come back. It wasn't thrown into question. It was clearly a totalitarian state in the United States attempting to form and join the other totalitarian states in the world. So to me, 
it, there, there were no errors here. This is what Trump wanted to do. He wanted to become a dictator. He wanted to take over the United States. He wanted to get rid of democracy. And he wanted to join the totalitarian leaders so he could have really pretty and gold-filled uh, uh, castles. But let's not forget, there's still 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump. And, well, and that is actually my biggest surprise. And that's my next question. Biggest surprise of the year. Yeah. And 74 I think, million I think, people endorsed. I think exactly, I, exactly yeah. what Steve said. That many people in the United States could vote for somebody who wanted to take us to a totalitarian regime. That is not only surprising, but scary as can be. Let me change directions just a little bit on the biggest surprise of the year for me, because I was looking for other surprises as well, was the spontaneous nationwide protests in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. uh, I expected protests, certainly in Minneapolis. What I didn't expect was that they would be around the country in big cities and in small towns for months and months. And most of the protesters, unlike some of those of similar uh, stripe in the 60s, this time most of the protesters were white. They were. Yeah. And, it's a and national I, reckoning. It's an, to and me, it's, I, my, my read of the cause of that is that, you know, people want to believe the best of their police and things like that, but the, the George Floyd thing was beyond any explanation. And, and as bad in, in almost all the other cases, there's either some ambiguity or some at least plausibility. Well, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. And you you tend to give the police the benefit of the doubt. The George Floyd thing was graphic. And you watched the man pleading for his life for eight. And, it, and it was because uh, the United States is changing so much in the digital revolution. We could see it. We could see the entire eight and a half minutes of him dying um, because of, of cameras that police. It, the digital world is now getting into the, the uh, policing world, and it's going to change it all. But I, I think it was also a lack of ambiguity, because even the, some of the videos of the police encounters, there's something going on real rapidly. Somebody makes a motion. Somebody takes out a gun and shoots. You In a lot of those cases, you really have to dissect him to to figure out what happened. In this case, it was out there for you to witness that there was no alternative explanation that anybody could come up with whatsoever. And yeah. that, that I think uh, distinguished it. Okay, the biggie, and we'll after the break we'll do we'll do loser, but the biggie biggie uh, the award for biggest winner of the year. Okay, Rick. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, I believe, interesting. I, I believe that, that Joe Biden winning, Joe Biden was vice president. He was already there. He's at the end of his career. Kamala Harris is at the beginning of hers. And the fact that she's a woman, the fact that, that she's a minority, the fact that she is as outspoken as she is, uh, I believe that bodes well for the future of the United States. Steve Kraft. I got to give it to Joe Biden, who uh, 
I think under normal circumstances would not have been interested at all in running for president this time around. But after the Charlottesville um, riot and, and death, white supremacists rampage, uh, he, he kind of got off the map and uh, he took up this cause and he brought down the most powerful man in the world, the incumbent president. Okay, my biggest winner, science. The entire world was shut down this year due to COVID. And the thing that is going, we now are at the end of the year. And for the very first time, we see an end. And unambiguously, that is basically the science which developed an inoculation in record time. Science delivered. And at some point, I think over the next year, we will achieve some sense of normalcy, probably in the developed countries first, but but over the course of the latter part of the year in the rest of the world, and we will return to some sense of normalcy. It's hard for me to uh, underestimate how big a thing that is. I understand that, but you said a national story. I believe that's an international story because in the United States, those same people who support Trump do not support science. They are still an anti-science effort. There's still 37% of the people that, that uh, believe that this was all a fraud uh, and that aren't going to take the, the uh, or say they're not going to take the, the inoculation, et cetera. And so I think science has a long way to go to get back to any sense of normalcy in the United States. Let me throw out another big winner of the year. It's people with college degrees who could work from home. Yeah, and the yeah. data has, has supported that in terms of economically. And it's not that high up on the economic scale. Uh, I looked at the cutting point at $60,000 a year, which is just slightly above the median level of income. At that level, this group is completely recovered. Below level, it's catastrophic. Yeah, pretty big division in America, isn't it? Yep. Indeed, indeed it is. When we will return with our final segment, and right up top of that segment, we will discuss biggest loser of the year when we return with Rick DeGraw and Steve Kraft in the Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are back with Rick DeGraw and newsman Steve Kraft, and we are discussing the Think Tank's 2020 award show. Uh, we have discussed the winner of the year. Uh, what about our next question? Who is the biggest loser of 2020? I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Okay, Steve, biggest loser. American democracy. And yes, Joe Biden won, but about 40% of the country still doesn't believe it. And uh, so many of our democratic traditions have been eroded or corroded and are under threat. The election didn't settle it, and it's going to hang like a dark cloud over the country for years. I'll right. jump in because I, I, my, my answer is kind of an amplification of yours. I put it. And Trump is the obvious loser, but the real biggie is faith in our democratic institutions. And that one, unfortunately, 
has been shaken and it's not over. Uh, a lot of us looked at this and you know, the, the you know, age old question, uh, talk about totalitarianism, can it happen here? Well, it didn't, but uh, I think it's pretty hard to argue that it couldn't at this point because we got within a hair's breadth of it. Rick? And I agree. I mean, Trump is obvious, but Trump was a loser from the beginning. U.S. democracy, unless people believe it, it doesn't work. And we came close to going over that edge. We came close to having the heads of every secretary in secretariat in uh, in, in the country um, doing whatever Trump wanted. Very very close to it. Uh, so I was proud that military leaders and some, uh, even some of his appointees. Uh, stood up to him. They all lost their jobs for it, but they did. If they hadn't, we could have gotten to that edge. Well, I remember in 2017, I, uh, 2017, I wrote a piece just about this, and I said, I think there's four institutions that are going to save us, and, and it pretty much held. One of those was the upper echelon of the military and their commitment to civil union control. Uh, another one less appreciated is the senior executive civil service, the civilian yeah. equivalent of the generals. These are the people who make sure that they, they're the Anthony Fauci's, but not just in medicine, in any number of other fields that make sure that no matter who is in charge of our politics, that our institutions work. Number three was our court system. And basically, look at the number of Trump appointed judges in the last three weeks who said no. And it was 100 percent. He yep. lost every one. The, the one so-called victory was a case in Philadelphia where uh, they said, OK, your observers can be within six feet, not within 10 feet. OK, big deal. Let them let them. I mean, and the only reason 10 was an issue was COVID. And number four is the press that basically kept on it, without which we wouldn't have known what, what happened. I think we got saved by all those institutions. Next category, most underreported story. I, I think the Russian hacking, um, it sort of got lost in the COVID issue, uh, but it continued. And clearly in this within the last week, uh, the idea that they were able to penetrate the most secure parts of our government is the scariest part of that issue. For me, the, and that's a very good point, I think. Uh, for me, an underreported story is the unstated but obvious tension and battle between the never Trumpers and traditional Republicans and the populist wing of the party represented by the president, Kelly Ward, and supporters. Um, where the party heads now, if we're gonna have a third party, uh, you know, there's some talk about it, but I haven't seen a lot of reporting about it. And it's an it's going to be a big a big problem for Republicans in the next couple of years. That's certainly going to be one of the stories of 2021. So uh, uh, to me, the most underreported story is how close we got to losing our democracy, something we've taken for granted. And uh, I think there'll probably be excessive congratulations on the back end of this about our institutions held, et cetera. And I, yeah, they held, but some of them were by a thread. For example, the business about trying to fix the election at the end. Envision that it all came down like 2020. 
or 2000 to one state or 2024. There was one state was Ohio. You know, if it was all one state, envision the pressure that could have been put on legislators in one state to change mm -hmm. the outcome. Yeah, lucky. So yeah. Um, let me uh, let me throw out one point here. And this may be sort of a missed opportunity, but think of it this way. Had President Trump worn a mask, say, with an American flag on it, tried to make it cool to wear a mask, got everyone to wear a mask because it's yep. a patriotic thing to do. And if he showed a little bit of empathy for all of the hundreds of thousands of people who've died and become sick because of this, I think he would have coasted to reelection. And I, 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 would, I would throw in, I agree with you, and I'd throw in a couple of, in other words, I put it in a category of things he did that he didn't need to do to appease his base. The attacks on John McCain, the, the reference to American military soldiers as suckers and losers, things like that that were just gratuitous. He could have, he didn't lose, he didn't gain anything by doing that. Had he had, an, as you pointed out, an ounce of empathy in his character, I think he would have won, but and and this is this is what gives it Shakespearean kind of uh, dimensions. Uh, he didn't have that in his soul. He couldn't do that because it isn't who he is. But right. had he been just a little bit more slick about it, uh, our our democracy could have been could have been at stake here. So well, remember, his story's not over, and he might run again in four years. Well, right? we'll be yeah, doing the show. yeah. And, and all, he's not going away at, at some level. There's no signal, no sign that he running or not. He, he at a minimum will be kingmaker for a while. Under the biggest scam, uh, raising funds for Trump, which will totally be under his control. Uh, he's got what 307 million so far yep. that people have given him uh, that he can do whatever he wants with, including pay off part of his debt or start start either purchase or start a major media company to his liking. Biggest missed opportunity. Well, mine is, mine is a little strange. My, my missed opportunity is the United States did not listen to women leaders uh, as they should have. If you look at the women leaders of the world in, in Germany and New Zealand and other places, um, the, the empathy was there, the leadership was there, the belief in science was there. And in the United States, we need to listen to women more. Steve? My, my biggest uh, missed opportunity was just people not jumping on masks early enough and, and just not making it the cool thing to do, the, the acceptable thing to do. And, and specifically, a missed opportunity for the governor here in Arizona and for our president. Well, I, yep. I agree with that. I remember when the virus first hit and there were these statements, oh, it's only five people, it's only 25, it's only 100. And I looked at that as somebody mathematically inclined and I said, oh my God, this is terrifying. Not because of the numbers, but if you understand what a geometric progression is. Right. You understand there's a, there's an old story about, uh, uh, this is an example of what a geometric progression looks like of a, a mathematician made a, in the early days of, of, of mathematics, made a, uh, a request. He did, he had done something for uh, the king and, and, said, and the king said, well, what do you want? And he said, I have a modest request. He said, I would like uh, pull out a, uh, a checkerboard and put one uh, grain on the first square and then two on the second and four on the third and double it. And, and the king says, you know, that's all you want? 
Well, the problem is there are not enough grains on the face of the earth to do that. And that's what a geometric progression is. So um, by the way, my biggest uh, uh, missed opportunity in the light of the economic hit was the opportunity to use that as a vehicle to doing infrastructure spending to pump up the economy. Yeah. We could have spent this on things that we will use for the next 50 years. And in any case like this, when you trend very, very quickly, it's necessary to waste some of it. But when you're spending on infrastructure, it's not waste. It's it's basically, you know, the roads that we built in the these we still got them. They need repairs, but we still got them. The airports, the schools, the bridges, the whole the whole thing, uh, I think, is our the the biggest my biggest miss of this opportunity. When you have an economic downturn like that, you're going to spend. We had to spend some money. Everybody agreed we had to spend money. Why not spend it? on something that we uh, get something out of that's it for our national start we'll be back in january we'll talk we'll we'll talk to these same guys about predictions thank you rick degras thank you steve Kraft. we'll see you next week in the think tank